Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a whole list of things that this is going to give regulations for. A few things that we're going to talk about today. Unfairly preferencing a platform, operators, products, or services, or lines of businesses. Also, discrimination and applications enforcement of a covered platform's terms of service. Um, and also, the use of non- non-public data obtained or generated covered by the platform and how they use that in their businesses. Things are not quite as uh, as uh, obvious as they may seem. And we want to get into the nuts and bolts of this just a little bit. Jessica Malugan does join me this morning. She She is from the Competitive Enterprise Institute. She is the director of the Center for Technology and Innovation. And Jessica joins me this morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming on the air with us this morning, Jessica. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Dale. I'm really looking forward to having this discussion. There's a, there's a lot to kind of unpack here because that there's been a lot of discussion just in the last few years uh, about our online online data, our privacy, how that's being used, how the larger companies are leveraging that to do different things. And uh, like with everything, there there tends to be from a uh, from a uh, I guess, unfortunately, from a broad media perspective, there seems to always be you paint two different corners of this thing and you have the evil corporations that are trying to take over everybody. And, and then you have the uh, uh, the the, uh, the folks that are that are uh, uh, anti free speech and different things like that. But I want to get into exactly what is is in this. If you were listening to somebody try to promote this bill, Jessica, what is the supposed intent of what this is supposed to do? Well, I think that to your point, uh, kind of depends who you ask, right? Yeah. And I think that explains some of the bipartisan support here. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, what getting to the bottom of it entails is um, reading the bill and really thinking um, a little more clearly about what the actual practical consequences are. Um, and thankfully for the listeners of the greater Charleston area, they don't have to do that because um, that's my job. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think that support for this bill comes from a lot of different things, right? It comes from a general, like, kind of weariness about how big and influential these tech companies are. Um, I think that kind of we all have that instinct to, to be a little cautious around that, things of that size. Um, there's part of that. And from the Republican side, I think a lot of it has to do more with the speech issues that you mm-hmm. talked about and this feeling from the right that there's some discrimination against conservative speech on social media platforms. But I would just point out, when you read the bill, this will do nothing to address any of that. This is not about that. It's been promoted sort of in the same momentum of, uh, as those concerns, but it really doesn't address that. That's a separate issue. Um, and, you know, the, the Senate should have a conversation about that, but um, we shouldn't confuse what's happening in this bill 
with, with those concerns. So what is actually happening in this bill is basically just good old-fashioned, heavy-handed leftist regulation of these companies. Um, and the problem with that, of course, is that it's really going to hurt consumers. So if you talk about what does this mean for the average user, um, it means that your Amazon Prime delivery is in peril. Um, that would be something that might fall under the idea of self-preferencing. So all that means is that Amazon owns the platform, and it also sells against third parties that sell on that platform, right? So if you go on Amazon, you could buy Amazon generic products that might be offered and advertised with prime shipping, free shipping, fast shipping, because they have those things in their warehouses, they can make that promise. Um, And third parties can also sell those things, but you might not get some of those benefits. Um, And under this kind of ban on self-preferencing for Amazon, that means that they might not be able to offer their own products with faster shipping, free shipping, lower prices. Um, So self-preferencing sounds like a big, scary thing, but what that usually means in the market is one more option and a couple more benefits for consumers. And you certainly don't want to shut all that off for the people who are really looking now more than ever for some convenience, um, for a reason to order and not have to buy gas to drive to the store, um, for lower prices, for more choices. American consumers need that right now more than ever. So to put kind of beef with big tech ahead of what the constituents really need, I think would be so foolish for U.S. senators. Um, and we can go through more examples. The same thing is true when you search for something locally around you on, on Google in your browser mm-hmm. and Google Maps. You know, you, you've seen it. it. It comes up in sort of the, near the top of the search results. It'll show you, kind of knows where you are, and it shows you some things around you that might be convenient. It also shows you reviews about those places. It's very useful. It's very helpful, and it's completely free to consumers. But, again, under this prohibition of self-preferencing, Google can't show you Google Maps with all that information up top because Google obviously owns Google Maps, and they are preferencing their search results that way. So that's another example of sort of um, where consumers are going to take the hit on this. Um, That might be great for the companies competing with Google Maps, but it's not so great for the people who really enjoy using Google Maps for free. Or the people that use it to, yeah, to discover businesses or something like that. I can ke- come at this from a from a former business owner standpoint. Um, in the early two thousands, I owned um, a couple of different bookstores and, and mixed media places where we were selling uh, relatively small. We built it from the ground up. I had really great customer relations, and this was in the early days of like Yelp and Google reviews and things along those lines. It helped my business considerably for people to be able to search books in my area and to find my bookstore that they could come to and say, oh, there's a local independent bookstore. I'm going to go to that. Um, Back in these days, uh, Books A Million and places like that were still all over the place. Books a Million didn't need those search results. They people know where Books a Million is. They're they're one of the anchor stores at the outdoor mall. They're they're somewhere where you can find where you could drive by all the time. No problem finding Books a Millions. However, uh, doing a search and having my business come up in a Google search result for maps or th- something like that helped my business out a lot. If that data and that information wasn't allowed to be shared across platforms where people would surface it when they did the search, less people would have discovered my business, or I would have had to pay more to have my results shown in that type of result. I don't really like that. Yeah, that's such a great example of the reality um, of being someone who lives in the world and operates a business or is an actual customer um, is so separate from the soundbite that sounds good coming out of D.C., right, which is, oh, this is, you know, big, bad tech. Well, the problem is that, like you're saying, 
the line between big business and small business is blurring because so many small businesses and independent sellers use these big tech platforms to, you know, expand their reach to customers and promote their products and be discovered by people they would never be able to find otherwise. It's such a symbiotic and beneficial thing for big tech, small companies, and for the people who, you know, are very happy to find a small independent producer, a, a more of a niche thing, a local thing. Um, so, you know, if you have these kinds of regulations, like you said, it sounds great in the soundbite, but you're really breaking this whole system that's come up pretty organically that has a benefit for everyone that's involved. It's really dangerous. And, and I have to say, in, 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 in digging through some of this and some other examples of what it might do, and I try to uh, use the balanced approach in going to this, and there's some things, uh, you know, I, I can understand some of the aims of the bill and where there might have been, especially at the beginning, some more true uh, outlooks for it. But as what happens when things go through committee and markups and more people get involved and things like that, uh, the language becomes more vague, the target becomes a little less specific, and you're not really sure what you come up with. But another example that I came that, that, I, that I was looking into, during the pandemic, when most things were shut down. You couldn't do like just clothes shopping and stuff. I started using online shopping quite a bit. I found a system using through Amazon and, and uh, some services that they have to find some really uh, useful and and uh, and uh, fairly inexpensive uh, uh, clothes that are still fashionable and that I like to wear and things along those lines. One of the things that I was reading about with the self-dealing and self-interest on something like Amazon is they surface their Amazon basics or their search results uh, when you do a search for if you're looking for a button-down shirt or you're looking for pants or something like that. Now, I'm smart enough to know if I like the brand or not. And uh, and I know that they're pushing those results up there. I'm not an idiot. I understand that they're doing that. However, I do like some of those brands. And some of them I actually buy on fairly regular because they fit the right way and things along those lines. So that's one issue on there that I don't really like the fact that, you know, maybe that's something I kind of opt into and that I appreciate. But on the other side of that, under this, from what I understand, under this bill, Amazon would be regulated to keep from doing that. However, Target would not, uh, because Target <laughs> falls a little bit below that threshold on what would be considered uh, one of these large companies. Target has tons of private brands that they push. Uh, Walmart has tons of private brands that they push. So I know that Amazon is supposed to be evil because they're huge and all those things, but what is the real <laughs> difference there between Amazon's Amazon Basic brand and Target's brand? I don't really understand the distinction. Well, that's because there isn't one, and you're exactly correct. If you kind of look at, again, if you dig into the numbers a little bit, Kohl's, Target, um, Costco, all these big box companies that we think of mostly um, as brick-and-mortar places, but I will tell you that um, Target and Walmart are very much online as well, but they don't hit that threshold, um, as you said, have tons of generics and in-house brands, um, and, you know, with those companies, they represent 10, 20, 30 percent of their total revenue. Amazon is still sitting at about one percent. Their generics are about one percent. Um, so, you know, as a consumer, you're used to walking through the grocery store or these big box stores, and you know what's generic, and they place it prominently on the shelf, right? And it's not trickery. Um, it's one more option, and, and sometimes when it doesn't make any difference to you and it's priced a little lower, it's a great option. So to take that away from consumers, again, this is the worst time, right? Um, the, with the economy as it is, this is just hubris to say that, um, you know, these senators are protecting you from generic brands. I mean, that's crazy. Um, if consumers can't sort through what Amazon is promoted, it says promoted right there, you know, as it pops up, by the way, um, you know, what are we trusting citizens with? I mean, we're you can elect your own representatives, but you can't 
sort of parse through what's a generic brand being promoted by the store you're in or visiting online and what's a brand name. It's it's just silly. You know, this is really, um, it's not a problem, right? This is just one more option that really benefits consumers. So to go through all this rigmarole just to score points to beat up big tech, the problem with that is, of course, that the consumers are the ones that are going to end up paying the price. And and that's so foolish right now. And especially you would think foolish right before midterm elections when um, these representatives should be sort of prioritizing, you know, what are American voters really concerned about? What's a real problem? Is it gas prices? Is it inflation? There's a war in Europe. We're still recovering from a pandemic. There seems like there could be better use of time than protecting people from, you know, Amazon brand batteries online. Um, so, I, I, you know, I take your point here. It, it's just, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but again, that's not the soundbite you're probably hearing, but it really is the truth. Jessica Malugin from the Competitive Enterprise Institute is my guest this morning. We're talking a little bit about the American Innovation and Choice Online Act and, and trying to unpack some of that. Um, a couple of things also that, that kind of uh, raised my hackles just a little bit uh, when reading this. Um, one of the things was that in the Senate version, or I'm sorry, the House version of the bill, um, the uh, there's no outright ban on self-preferencing, but unfair competition is kind of left into the ether on how to define that. And these are the types of things then bills that really kind of concern me when language is, is diluted to the point where it's so vague that really it depends on who has the best PR team on how the words are defined. And, and, and when it comes to just something quote unquote unfair competition without there being any references attached to that, that's a little concerning to me because that means it turns into a political football at some point. Yeah, and I'll save you my rant on the Congress delegating too much power to regulatory agencies um, and just say that the problem with that is that it creates uncertainty, right? So if you're yeah. a business, small or big, and you're not sure what is or isn't illegal, you know, that's a problem, right? That means you're not going to roll out your new idea for how to market something or this new product in this new space because you don't want a letter from the FTC that shuts down your whole operation until they can sort out well, does this fit our feeling about this interpretation right now or not? And that might change with administrations and change with time. Um, And really, you know, it's so much better to have fewer and very clear laws and regulations, right? And that this kind of vague language is really the opposite of it. And I think another big shift um, to kind of think about as you watch this stuff roll out is, you know, who's being protected here? It's certainly not consumers, Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit a shift away from American antitrust law that's about, you know, the the basic question at the root of everything has been for decades here in the U.S., how is this hurting or helping consumers? And we're going to make the decision based on that. And that's really healthy because everyone at some point in the economy is a consumer. Um, But we're seeing with these bills, it's a little bit of a shift towards the European model, which is about also trying to protect smaller competitors. And the problem with that is you can kind of only serve one master. And if you start protecting smaller companies that might have higher prices, well, consumers have to pay those higher prices. So it's really important to keep consumers at the heart of it. Um, Europe hasn't done that. And I will tell you, it's no coincidence, they don't have one of the big top 10 tech companies in the world on their continent, right? It's a very different approach and environment. And it doesn't produce innovation, and it doesn't benefit citizens. Um, so, you know, I always ask people, and you're perfect because you were a small business owner, would you rather open a company in the U.S. or in France? So 
you know, I, I feel like we still have a good American instinct to, to understand what that means. And I think when you see bills like this that are moving towards that European model where the regulations are sort of about a million good intentions, but really negative practical realities, that's a, like your first red flag to say, well, let's slow down. Let's think about what this would mean for someone um, trying to get the best deal or the best price or to launch their small business. That really makes a lot of. Uh, I, I, again, the, the the aim of this may be something that, that that there was some 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 need for from from a from a top line where you look at it. But the, the way these things just end up getting uh, deployed when they, when they go through, none of this really makes a lot of sense to me. It seems like there's a lot of competing idea, competing ideas here that really doesn't work. Uh, another thing that kind of, and I think this is what we've been kind of dancing around. That this is really giving a lot of regulatory control, pushing a lot of things over to regulation that in the past it's not that they were unsupervised, but we use something more along uh, akin to the rule of reason to come up with with uh, how to proceed forward on case by case circumstances, which really allows you to apply logic and nuance to a situation rather than just taking um, uh, numbers from a fact sheet and calling something yes or no based on that only. Yeah, and that's sort of been our approach, and it's been so successful. That's why we're that you know we're the economy that kind of drives the world. Because we are willing to say, let's look at this on a case-by-case basis. If there's a problem, we can look into that problem very narrowly and very specifically. But this law is the opposite of that, right? This just cuts off, um, you know, the four or five biggest players at the knees and says, here's a bunch of things that have been profitable, beneficial, but they make us a little uncomfortable, so you can't do them anymore. You know, that's that's really not a way to make good public policy. Um and again, I think that the soundbite and the marketing has been such that, um, that, you know, big tech is a very popular target to beat up on. Sure. But when you start talking to people, do they use their products? Yeah. Do they love their services? Yeah. And the pandemic, you know, more than ever, right? Think about all the benefits to the small businesses that were on Facebook that could easily and for free post their new hours or their new curbside pickup protocols or, you know, all this stuff that was I, I would think it kept some companies and made the difference between them getting through this and surviving the pandemic and not. And the same thing for Google Maps and Waze and delivery and all, this, all these other things that, um, you know, you may not like the politics of these big tech companies and you may not like the content moderation decisions of social media platforms. And I would agree with you a lot of the time on the, all of that. But let's not break the goods and services that we enjoy and, and are making our lives easier and better right now. Um, let's slow down and, and look at this more clearly. The, the bill in the Senate side hasn't even had a full hearing. You know, it hasn't gone through regular order. Normally you have bills that are this important and significant. You have people come in and testify, experts um, and on both sides, and make these arguments so that senators can really become more informed. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think that a lot of people who are signed on to the general idea of we should keep an eye on big tech understand the harms that are in this bill. It's, it's really dangerous. One final thing, and I'll cut you loose, uh, uh, Jessica. Um, for me personally, I think subsection E would be enough to kind of strike this thing from something that if I were in a position to vote for, that it would, that, that I would find it favorable. Uh, subsection E allows for the FTC and the DOJ to designate a covered platform jointly. So this means we've gone through all this work to set uh, market caps and user data and things like that to determine what a cap platform's, uh, covered platform is going to be. However, the exception are the FT, FTC and the DOG can, DOJ can 
designate a covered platform jointly, and such designations would be effective for seven years. However, agencies much ba must base designations upon size criteria, so imposing this designation provision in its current draft is unclear. This type of vague language, once again, is the type of thing that just moves me to not support something like this, because I can just see this immediately becoming a political football the moment that one company crosses the paths of one political party and, uh, oh, uh, we can define what uh, what services or what uh, uh, companies are going to be covered under these uh, uh, regulations. Well, let's find a way to make this company covered. And we've seen that type of uh, retaliation from uh, governments uh, within, our, within our country here recently. I, I think that's a dangerous precedent or a dangerous uh, allowance to put in a bill. I think you're exactly right. It's all the rage, of, unfortunately, on both sides of the aisle that if your company, which, you know, we talk about companies like they're this <laughs> faceless thing, but people work there and depend on their livelihoods there. Um, you know, people own them. People started them. Um, and, you know, they're being punished for saying or believing the wrong thing. And that's, really, you know, that's a very un-American approach, right? Um, that's a... That's a big problem, and this would grow the opportunity yeah. for that to get worse. It's just a huge expansion of powers to the FTC and to the DOJ. And these are people, um, I'm sure, very well-meaning, very knowledgeable, but unelected, unaccountable to voters in an immediate way. And I don't think that most Americans are comfortable with handing over the power to a bunch of nameless bureaucrats. It's, it's just dangerous. Um, and it's poor congressional oversight, and it's a little bit lazy, right, that politicians who are pushing this want to benefit from the the anger with big tech over yes. separate issues. Yes. And they kind of want to just unload all the specifics onto these other people. And I, I just don't think that, cust that consumers are going to win out in all of that. That's very true. Uh, Jessica Malugan from the uh, uh, Center for, or uh, Jessica Malugan has been my guest with us this morning. I'm going to have to cut her loose. I've, I've kept you on here way longer than what I expected to. She is the uh, director of Center for Technology and Innovation at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. You've been wonderful this morning. Thanks for answering all of our questions and kind of trying to uh, demystify some of this stuff for us. It's an interesting thing. I'm not saying that there's not uh, need for either side of this uh, bill somewhere in the future to some degree. I don't know, but whatever this is doesn't seem like it. <laughs> Well, it's such, been such a pleasure to talk with you, and I, I appreciate everyone uh, giving, giving me a few minutes to get on my soapbox about this, but I think it's really important for all of us who use technology, which is pretty much everyone today. Thanks, Jessica. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Take care. Have a good day. That's uh, Jessica Malugan that was joining us for the uh, for the uh, Center for Enterprise Institute. One last quote I want to um, cut loose on before we go to our break here, and we're going to come back with uh, Randy Weber, the, uh, the the mayor of Winfield. Here's uh, two quotes that could tell you everything you need to know about this bill from Sen Senator Koblicher. She says, the policies will ensure small businesses and entrepreneurs still have an opportunity to succeed in the digital marketplace. Senator Chuck Grassley says, big tech needs to be held accountable if they behave in a discriminatory manner. These are both for the same bill, supposedly. I'm not so sure about that. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.